We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst. Uh, joined you, joining you after a fucking massive win for Newcastle United at Stoke City. Uh, on New Year's Day, what an absolute belt and start of 2018. On the line, uh, I've got Norman Riley, who was at the match, and I've got Richie Smith and Simon Mooney, Chubbs, who were watching like myself on television. And um, Norman, I'll start with you since you were at the game. Just, just what a day! Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, we, we go well, obviously going to the like the tactic lineup and, and everything um, as we go on, but I suppose. Um, Getting there, and the sun was shining, and then all of a sudden there was like a fucking sideways sleet. Started about ten minutes before kickoff, and uh, and then I saw the lineup. And I, little, little part of me just thought, God, this is a, uh, it's a bit odd, isn't it? it looked like, um, yeah, it looked like we kind of had Perez and Atsu almost, almost up front, and I, I was a little bit surprised by it. But then I suppose you start thinking, well, you know what, Perez is, he is a, he is a centre forward, and that's what he's played his best football for us. Um, anyways, regardless of that. Um, Got into the ground and the atmosphere was like you could tell you could tell that the away fans were up for it. You know, you know, you just get that feeling. You're like, I, I mean, I'd imagine a fair, fair few people had, had got fairly sourced yesterday, and some of them either hadn't been to bed or had just topped it up. And um, it was a good, bouncy atmosphere. And what I also picked up on pretty much straight away was that there was so much. Like, I mean, it's hard to even see a negativity from the Stokes. The Stokes side was pure apathy. You know, and I mean, sometimes you're at the Newcastle match and you just think, if it's almost like the crowd feels like we're not going to do anything, yeah, that's the impression mm-hmm. I got. Like, their body language, there was, like, there was no noise, and um, and we just fucking exploited it massively. I mean, there was sing- the scene was was from where I was, more or less non-stop, and it was, um, I was, was, it was well worth, well worth working for an absolute bollocks now. Yeah, I mean, from the, from the TV, Norman, I just want to, say it first up before we start talking about the rest of the stuff the support just sounded absolutely fantastic I mean we're a kind of we're a weird weird bunch of Newcastle fans if you look at all of the internal strife if you look at all of the criticism on social media you look at the lack of atmosphere which Chubbs described very well in his Brighton match report uh, still on the True Faith website it just seems like there was something in that those 3,200 who went down there today that was kind of like this is a massive game and we're going to back the lads non-stop and if you compare it to Stoke, who it was also a massive game for, and I, it did come across on TV how much they were getting on the team's back. There was a lot of empty seats there. Um, you know, it would, it just seemed there was only one team or one set of fans who who actually believed that they'd win that game from the start. Uh, Richie, c- 
coming on to you for, from team selection wise uh, obviously pretty standard these days that any team Rafa picks um, comes under a lot of scrutiny pre-kickoff uh, what were your thoughts particularly regarding Perez well uh, you know I, I wasn't surprised to see Rafa ring the changes because that's, that's what he does I mean you know he, he almost it's almost the stage where we're, we're playing you know that the half the team changes each 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 time we play a game which um, you know you can kind of criticise but he's done it um, he's done it again and he's he's managed to pull it out the bag and let's be honest Newcastle we deserve the win um, I, I was absolutely delighted to see Perez um, start up front I've uh, been banging this drum for a while um, I think the last time I, a Yosi Perez was playing up front was probably about three years ago now um, and in that time he's played well basically either left wing or you know number 10 neither of which have been uh, are, his, are his correct position um, I'll, I'll criticise um, I'll criticise the likes of you know Carver McLaren and even Rafa that have kind of kept on trying this um, exercise of, of playing him out of, uh, out of position when he's actually gone played up front you know, we just—he just looked a different player, and he—and I think Alex, you, I remember you saying that Perez is most most effective when he's running into the box and then you know hitting hitting shots first time, and that's exactly what he did today. Got the goal, and, and but aside from that, I thought Perez in general, his all-round play was 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 really strong. He just looked so much more comfortable. So God knows why it's taken this long to actually get him up there, but. You know, fair play um, for Rafa to actually to, to do it and, and, and for it to be the, um, the the formula for success. Um, I thought, uh, you know, I thought I thought first half um, I was a bit I was a little bit disappointed with the performance first half, just be, more more from just the fact that the number of chances we were missing and just having having a feel that you know it, the, the Premier League's a bit like you, you don't you don't get away with with you know you, often you don't get away with missing two or three. Guilt-edge chances, particularly the one that you know that Clark missed. Um, but as, as as Norm says, Stoke just looked woeful. They didn't really, they didn't really look like they had much about them the whole the whole game, uh, apart from the last kind of couple of minutes. Um, and and so there was an, there was an element of feeling quite comfortable going into the second half, even though I had you know I had missed those chances. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you on Perez, of course. And one of the things that impressed me about him, particularly in the first half, was. How comfortable he was accepting the ball, kind of on the half turn, and just running at the Stoke defence. And even with Gale, who much prefers to be on the shoulder rather than receiving it in front of the back four, it just—it was just something we've not really seen this season, and and it caused Stoke such problems. And you know, we talk about those chances in the first half. Pretty much all of those chances, bar the clock one, which came from a corner, were from Perez picking up the ball from midfield, most likely Shelby, turning and running at them, and. Particularly when you're playing a team like Stoke without confidence, the defenders backed off, backed off, backed off, and that created the space for Christian Atsu in particular to um, to get the space, and he really should have done better with a couple of chances he had. Chubbs, you were kind of critical um, after Brighton of the team selection. Two questions for you, mate. Yeah. One, when you saw the team selection, how do you feel, and how do you feel about it after the game? Um, I think when I saw the team selection, I was, I was a lot more up for watching the game than I was when I saw the Brighton one. Um, I think I said to you straight away, that's it all. Richie in the 10, I'll have a bit of that. Um, I don't think he actually ended up playing in the 10, it was a bit more at to, but I think I described the system as a lot fairer on the players. Yeah. Against Brighton, 
I don't really think it was fair to go and ask the players to play in that formation and you know, like for example when we brought Perez on the right wing it could show today that that was, you know, a silly move. Today the substitutions were spot on. Um all the way through the game. They were early as well, which is the main thing. Um I think my biggest gripe against Brian was that Shelby didn't start the game and obviously he did today and it just showed that we need him to play when we play in this league. Essentially <laughs> we haven't really got much like him and he really does get with chicken. Um I, I as I said I described the system as a lot fairer on the players. I think it was a little bit like sort of City Liverpool style where we had Atu, Richie, Murphy, Perez all in front of two actual centre midfielders that can kind of rotate in there and actually do what they do best and have a bit more freedom. Because um, I think, you know, as you say, you saw Perez taking the ball in the half turn with defence. He wasn't always necessarily the furthest forward. There was a lot of interaction between the four of them and it was kind of like, you know, you four going and actually attack them when we get the ball. Um, I think it was brilliant, really. Compared to the negativity in the Man City and the, um, the Brighton game, which I've expressed. <laughs> Quite vividly, yes. I think you said I was kind of critical. I was very critical, <laughs> but it's just you know the performances were absolute night and day. Like I, I love watching the match and we're giving it a go. And simply today, that's what we did. I think you you make a great point there about that front four. I mean, Atsu, Perez, Richie, and Murphy are hardly um the you know <laughs> Coutinho. Uh, and, and the like but you, you're right though that it, I noticed that I mean Richie Richie started on the left and, and, and Murphy on the right and then As, you know Atsu was kind of playing both up front when we were pressing and like you're saying behind but 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 the fact that they were so interchangeable worked really well and caused real problems um, just to kind of stick up for Rafa a little bit I agree with you on Shelby I, I think him and um, Marino we'll talk about Diomi a bit but I think him and Marino is our long term midfield too but you know Shelby couldn't play every single game. Um, it's impossible. So, you know, fair, fair, and he, he was suspended for last time. So, just one of those things against Brighton where he kind of had to, he had to give him a rest. And I think, you know, ultimately he's been proved right. We've turned up with um, seven points from the last four games and uh, four oh, points from these three. An outstanding return, really, over, over Christmas. I think the last thing I said in the match report was, you know, for going beat still. <laughs> This run is phenomenal over Christmas. You would have taken it any day of the week, but we've kind of done it in the wrong order, you know. Like <laughs> we should have, we should have been Brighton at home, and you know maybe he's got the maybe he's got the point away. Do you know what I mean? And it's that's what kind of baffles when ends up causing so much debate. Is you know the big games that we've won, we've only won six games all season, really. But yeah, it's just what what I would say. What I would say about that though is that as 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 good as this points return has been. Um, We've got to we've got to beat Swansea at home. If we if we don't beat Swansea at home and they gain points somewhere, you can just you know it just diminishes today's result and that that's the reality of it. That's how close it is. And you know we, these are these are the fixtures that we need to be taking points from. So um, it's all I know, every every right to be pleased with the uh, the return in recent weeks. Um, but Swansea at home, bottom of the table. I mean that is just we we, we cannot afford to just. Chuck, chuck points away like we did against Brighton against Swansea. The thing is, we're in, a, we're in a beautiful position now because essentially they've got what's going to feel like an eternity of rest after the amount of games they've played the last week before mm-hmm. you know leaking in the in the FA Cup, which they should roll over, and then they've got another week to go to go away and work on what they're going to do against Swansea. So really, it puts them in a position now where you've got to start looking up, up rather than down. And after the Brighton game, I was certainly looking down. And I was very worried. Um, today we've just. They've just absolutely turned around. Like one result, three points, anywhere from tenth to the bottom of the table, really, really shifts here. And that's why it frustrated us that we did draw against Brighton because if you win that game, all of a sudden there, there are there are no worries looking at running. But mm. it's, it's still teetering, still teetering. As you say, the Swansea game is massive now. 
I mean, we've got Swansea in the next month or so. I mean, not in the next month, in the next two months or the next five or six games. We've got Swansea, we've got Palace, we've got Bournemouth. They're, they're massive. So, so we'll know where we stand in terms of being in the relegation battle. Obviously, we're still in the relegation battle now. I mean, West Ham, we're four points clear, but West Ham play West Brom and one of them's got to pick up points. That's a massive game. Um, Norman, back, back to the match itself. Sometimes, I, you know, I was texting you because sometimes from television or, or from the game in particular, the chances don't look as good as the worst. So I was interested, Norman, in the first half, whether you were seeing this absolute carnage that was unfolding of us peppering the Stoke goal and managing to not force Jack Butland into a serious save. Did it come across quite that way at the game? Did, was, was United's dominance, particularly in that first half an hour, as apparent as it was on TV? So the, dom- the dominance was obvious. Um, the, obviously, the issue was is that we were at the opposite end of the ground. So all you can see is um, is the ball in the box and like, the reaction of the players, like showing you that it was obviously very close. Um, but they, they didn't worry us at all in the first half. Um, Charlie Adam... Had a had a free kick that Dolo pulled off a decent save from. Um, they had a couple of corners, but Shakiri just wasn't at the races at all today. So um, we didn't we didn't struggle at all. And the one that did come across as being obvious was because because even from where I was, the goal looked so fucking big. The clock miss that was a case. I just thought I, I thought uh, as they, the the laws of gravity been defied. Yeah, that that really looked like it have just gone straight in. Now. I haven't had a chance to see a replay, but I've obviously read. I saw you and I've got a text from you. I've read. Um, I've been on Twitter, and it looks like that was. I mean, incredible that he missed. Um, and, and that cross court, I we were we were absolutely dominant. Um, there's a couple of other little things from the first half that I'd like to point out that maybe won't come up. Um, Stoke within the first sort of three or four minutes, they should have had two yellow cards. And it's not even a case of you know, oh, it's your first one. I'll let you off with it. I think Adam and um, Joalan. Oh. Oh. Fucking disgusting! It was just piss poor, straight off, straight off the bat. They put two really fouls in, and nothing was done. And that was that was a really big frustration for me. And I think this might be part of a wider point. We probably don't need too much now. But the refereeing from the Championship to the Premier League hasn't been that much better. That was a, and that was something that was kind of reaffirmed today for me in the first ten minutes. Norm, just uh, just on that, I don't know if the lads also picked us up in the first half with Joe Allen. Um, Newcastle were on the break. I can't really, I can't remember who it was that was running with the ball, but um, Joe Allen basically pulled them back. Yeah. And the ref basically, like you know, basically said, um, you know, play the advantage. And I just and I just yeah. washed out like right. If if the ref stops the play there, Joe Allen gets a booten. But but I was like, what? Yeah. I'm just gonna keep, I'm just gonna keep an eye on this to see if the ref retrospectively yeah. um, gives him the yellow card. And about it was weird because there was about three or four minutes where the ball just didn't go out of play or, or didn't or didn't go dead. So there wasn't a chance for the ref to give the yellow card. And it was almost because it had gone on for so long. Um, when the ball did eventually go out of play, the ref didn't book him. It was an absolutely shocking refereeing. Like that's it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a disgraceful refereeing in fact because if, if if he stops the game at the point where the foul gets made. He shows him the yellow card, but because it was, it was almost like he forgot, he forgot what had actually happened. It was, it was ridiculous. Well, it was. I, I didn't forget. And, um, it, it was Murphy. I think it was Murphy who was breaking uh, and putting him. Um, and when, when the incident had ended, there was a good few lads, including me, screaming, "Now you've got to book him! Now you've got to book him!" And like you see, it was yeah. like he just, just, he just completely forgot. Um, I mean, that's like a, that, that's probably a great that that isn't necessary given that we've just won. But at the same time, you do. It, it does frustrate you because. Um, 
we it's almost one of the, it's just another couple of those incidents where you think fuck me we just have not had the rub of the green yeah it's all with the decisions yeah. um, but I mean ultimately if I got picture at least today it, it didn't matter yeah I mean I, I totally agree with you both um, again a little bit disappointing for me I would have hoped our lads would have been screaming at the ref because it was it was actually Chris yeah. Natsu who was away from him um, and it was almost like I think we might have had a good chance or a shot on target it was almost like the ref was like well they got a shot on target about five minutes later by the time they got up the pitch so it doesn't matter but it was really really weak and then then what happens later in the game Joe Allen goes up and picks, a yellow, picks up a yellow card and you're thinking well obviously football's not as simple as that but he could have been fucking off and he was their best player by a mile I thought Joe Allen he was the only Stoke player to be, to be shown for the ball and trying things um, but yeah really frustrating I mean we may as well talk about the pen Norman it, it just it's just a penalty yeah. it was just a penalty did it look a penalty from the away end I was going to ask you lads I think I think I might have texted you um, I was I mean I, you know, I couldn't have been any closer unless it was me putting the fucking tackle in because I was right down at the front of the air in the ground um, I mean if I had to put the tackle in I would have definitely been penalty because I would have obviously taken his knees out because I'm shaking football but uh, the, it, it, to me it was just obviously that, that, that's a penalty that's a penalty and then he doesn't give it so you're kind of thinking well have I missed something yeah but obviously, you, you lads tell me it was a clear pen, right? Yeah. Well, for me, well, yeah. He, he just, for me, he just, um, was it, uh, was it Zuma, was it? Yeah, it was, he, yeah. He, he just absolutely, just basically falls on top. And he's a, obviously, it's a, it's a huge unit. He just falls on top of Gale. Like, he just flattens him. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like a, it was like a little man just being squashed by just this absolute, like, tower block. Um, <laughs> And I, 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 I don't see, I don't see like how what what the ref has not seen in that to not give the pen. It, it, it was He's like. He's got to give the other card. It's not a penalty, really. Uh, yeah. There's only one man going to the ball. Um, it, it, it was just an absolute stonewaller. I, I think you've said quite a few times now. I think it's a good point that you make that our players are too nice and they don't get around the ref. But that was such a stonewaller. It's one of the first times I've seen them. They were showing it yeah. was like you know the ball was ready to be kicked back off, off and. Perez and that was still up at the ref just getting that in for the, and I think that, that reaction shows you you know the appeal for now for that the appeal for that so much it must have been I was watching the match with um, with Green Street here and uh, he says if that's outside of the box it's definitely a free kick and normally he's right but then again we get such bad looks with refs it just probably wasn't for us for anyone else it would be and it would be a pen um, you're totally right Trubbs the reaction of the players told you everything you needed to know um, lovely little ball, by the way, from Jacob Murphy. Reverse pass for that. Really nice. And and go on then, Chubbs. You know, like Jacob Murphy. Then I'll put you on the spot. Talk to me about Jacob Murphy today. So I said after about thirty minutes, um, the lad he said, "Oh, uh, Jacob Murphy, make me look, look daft. Fucking go on, kid." Like, <laughs> I think it's it's quite important that I point out. I don't want anyone to ever go out in the back of my shirt and not succeed for the sake of my opinion. Like, all I want is Newcastle get three points. In fact, the day I had bets on sort of both teams to score I had Newcastle Stoke on as a score draw and if it had come in I had every other result in Premier League score draw born with Liverpool all the rest of it um, I would have run about 500 quid but the lads were like, were like oh I bet you're good and I was like nah mate literally that it means a lot do you know what I mean like three points I never want anyone not to succeed for the sake of like personal glory the club means a lot like interesting um you know, I, I thought he was absolutely fantastic today. Um, Richie, you know, I think you've been a, a tad critical of him in the past. Can you pick the bones out of that one in terms of Jacob Murphy's performance today? Yeah, you're right. I have been critical. Um, I've, in, in fact, of course, as far as saying up until 
today I've I've really struggled to kind of see what he was bringing to the team. Um, um, but and, and I thought first half he was slightly disappointing, but second half he looked a totally totally different player. Um, and he and he showed I think what Rafa has brought uh, brought him to the club for he, he, his ability to pick the ball up and to run with the ball. He's got a bit of pace. When he he just looked a bit fearless today when he when he started doing that, and he also showed that. Um, he also showed that he's, he's got he's got the ability to p- pick out a crack and pass like like the assist he did for for um, for, uh, for Perez as well as seeing the run. Um, and there was another moment as well in the second half which particularly impressed us when he was it was late on in the in the in the, in the half and I think he had like two or three Stoke players like on his like basically on him trying to close him out and instead of losing the ball he did this little trick that basically won him the foul and it was you know. You would normally you would see a player just lose the ball and you know and potentially Stoke would have been on the counter attack then, but he he managed to basically win win a win a, a free kick and I just thought he just showed he just showed so much more confidence and gave me confidence that there is something there in him. Um, I think he's by no means the finished article. I think if if Rafa had had his way in the transfer window in the summer, Murphy wouldn't be starting games for us. Um, and would have been one for the future, but but at least it's, it's he showed it there, particularly in the second half, that that he has got something about him, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know how he can build on it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think the the positive thing for me about Murphy Murphy is compare that performance to the performance that we saw on his first few substitute appearances, on his on his debut, um, and it was so much far improved that it suggests that that he's getting better and better, both in terms of confidence and in terms of just working with a world-class manager. So if he continues to improve at this rate, I'm absolutely convinced by the end of the season or by next season, you know, should we still be in the Premier League, that we're going to have some player. His ball for the goal is assist of the season for me, for Newcastle so far. It's, it's literally, talk about putting a plate for Perez, and it's still a good finish, because he's got to do the business, but fucking hell, what a ball that was. Um, it was almost like that situation where we, 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 were, we were in that position so many times in the first half, particularly with Atsu, where you're almost like, go on, great position, go on, but you're kind of thinking, oh, well, best we'll get out as a corner here, or best we'll, best we'll do is, um, you know, get the ball in the box and something might fall, but it was just a world-class ball and a brilliant finish, and I kind of knew that then when we scored the goal, I was kind of like, we're not, we're not going to relinquish this, and we'll come on to Carl Dolo in a bit. Um, Chubbs, then, to come to you, 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 you said after the Brighton game in the match report and between us, you were very disappointed to see the Brighton back four put under no pressure. Why do you think we decided to press so high today, particularly in the first half, the first 15-20, um, compared to that Brighton game? Is it, is it merely just the, the, um, the opposition we're up against in terms of being better tactically, or do you think it's a confidence thing? Well, obviously, Rafa has been reading the match reports, you know. But, um... <laughs> No, um, I think uh, I think their back three was uh, a lot less assured on the on, on the ball even than the Brighton back four were. Um, and you know, Zuma's a little bit of a well, he's a known liability, isn't he? Really in the game, that's why he's not at Chelsea United still currently, despite his uh, athletic busy. Um, you know, he's known to not be the best on the ball and be a little bit uh, easy got at. So I think uh, we also had the players to press today, really, with Perez and then the other three that we've talked about um, a good length. It really suited them as long as Shelby and Diarmi were rooted, which they were. 
you know, they had license to go and press and then they had the full back ready behind them. Um, and it just worked. It just worked. I just think, you know, I, I keep talking about playing it with strengths and I think that's exactly what we're doing now and, and that's why I want to see what press so much. But whether it's a, a thing about playing home or it's possession, I don't know what. Um, what, what do you think? Uh, I think that the um, tactical setup against Brighton was very much um, get get through. After the Man City game, it was, it was very much get through until 45, 60 and have a go. And it just didn't, it just didn't happen. And I think the, the, the confidence being what it is at home, Rafa was just pretty defensive and didn't want to go 1-0 down. We have a very, very bad record of coming back from 1-0 down as a team. Um, so it's probably a little bit of overcautiousness, but then again, you know what? I can't say overcautious because it's worked. Um, and I, I just think, I thought the first 15 there today was, it was, it was so positive. It was so kind of create. I think we had more, there was a stat by someone on Twitter, we had more shots on target in the first half than all of the other Premier League teams combined playing today, playing at three o'clock. Um, that's how negative those games were. Not that I've seen any highlights. And it was just like, it was so refreshing. It was similar to West Ham where we've come here today and we've just, Rafa's just thought, you know what, let's have a, have a good fucking go because we can of really get beat today. Um, it's best to not to die wondering. And like you say, the Stoke, Stoke's back three was, went back to the goalkeeper so many times, which you know isn't necessarily a bad thing all the time. When you're playing in front of your home fans, and you're 1-0 down, that kind of lack of confidence to, to, to carry the ball out of defence. We, we were making them do that, essentially, and that's what yeah. I was asking for in the other two games. You know, we were making them kick it long, and then I think a lot of times I've banged on about possession and possession stats views. Maybe I'm confusing possession with territory, essentially, and that's what I mean by today. Like Because we pressed a little bit higher, even though they had more possession, statistically, they had it in worse areas. Whereas I was saying, don't give Man City possession in our final third, which is essentially what we're what we're letting them do is, you know, start playing their football on our halfway line. If we start making them play their football, you know, on the edge of their eating yard box, their options are a lot more limited, you know. And that's all I was asking for in the previous two games. Obviously today we we did it almost perfectly. It was really good to watch. Norman, um you you were at West Ham and you were at Stoke. Do you do you think am I getting carried away here if I say this is Newcastle United away from home? This is the setup and this is something we should be very excited about. Or we're just pay, playing two opponents who at half time you were thinking, surely they can't be as bad as they were in the first half, and on each occasion they managed to be worse. Um, the, today's was, it was a really, really positive performance. Um, it, was, it was excellent, but yeah, I suppose there's a tiny part of me would, would factor in the fact that like Stoke or, or a spent four Sunday games, one of those sides that you just, you just know the players play. Like, it's not even like they're not even listening to him. It's almost like he's probably not even saying anything to them because he's got he's got no ideas. West Ham away, they come off the back of some excellent results, and that was um, you know that was a another cracking performance. Um, I think um, if if we set up like that and we have a club against the you know the teams in and around us, then we're going to get a lot of a lot of success. Um, I think they might, maybe again. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm looking a bit um, a bit too sort of outside. A bit too abstractly, yeah, but um, we haven't won at home, I think, what was it, six games that we haven't won at home for? Um, and it's almost like that, you know, last season when we had all the pressure on us at home and there was less pressure on me, we were actually more effective away by the last part of the season. It almost feels like there's a little bit of that kind of creeping in now. Um, it's going to be interesting to, to be back up at St James's Park for the Swansea match because obviously I haven't been there for a, for a couple of games. And it'll be interesting to see if that kind of 
pressure is there that, that wasn't today. Today, as I say, the, it was almost like the, the crowd really played its part in the players. Um, you, you lot might have picked up on it on TV. The, the looks, the look confident, the look confident from the off, and um, I haven't seen that in a room game for a while. So uh, I look for look for this one game, and, and this the players should, the players and the fans should take so much heart from this because it was a really, really good display. We've just lost. We've said it before. We've just lost the big games so often in the Premier League in recent years, and and today was another massive game. Uh, Brighton was a big game, but we didn't lose it. Uh, West Ham was a massive game, and. To go into these games, like you say, looking like we're comfortable, looking like we're playing without pressure, it's it's something that, I don't know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And that's why you saw last season as well in the big games, we we'll, we'll managed to pick up points and, and win the big games. It's such a, it's such a, an asset to have as a team. Um, but I, I agree with you again, Swansea in a couple of weeks, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about that close at the time, but it would be great to see the same pressing front foot game. But if you just look through our team, lads, if you look at, look at Javier Mankio, look at... DeAndre Yedlin, look at John Joe Shelby, look at Jose um, Perez, uh, Christian Atu. All of these lads are naturally attacking front foot players that don't really suit. Uh, a, 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 say that again, sorry? Can, can, I, can I just say something about Mankiro quickly? Um, uh, again, you know, you know what it's like when you watch on TV when you're at the match, you, you do get like a little a slightly different perception of it. So I don't know how you all have felt about um, Mankiro, but. There was a kid next to me, a young lad next to me, turned around and said, Mankilo's been brilliant today, and he, and he was. He was he was absolutely superb, Mankilo, today. The last 10 minutes, all right, we were under a, a little bit of pressure, so I didn't get to see as much of him, but in the first half especially, he was he was superb. He was absolutely superb. Um, he, did, he didn't put a foot wrong, and, you know, I've hopped on about him loads, but he's a, he's a right-back who's been playing left-back all season, and I think, I actually think... Yeah, I think you may, you may have mentioned this year. They actually, when it comes to Dummett being back, they say, which we're all happy, we're all happy to see Dummett back. But obviously, Dummett doesn't, doesn't get up the line. He hasn't got the athleticism of Mankilo. And I think Mankilo, um, you saw that today, he got, he got up the line and he, and he worked it. His tackling was good and his positioning was good. And he, he just had an excellent game. Just wanted to mention it. Totally agree, mate. I, I, I noticed particularly, like you say, first half, the fact that he's so able to get up and down the pitch so quickly um, and good fitness levels makes it so much easier for the, the, the player when, when it goes down that left-hand side to, for him to become involved, to have an extra man there. Whereas like against Brighton, Dummett, I think he only got past Christian Atsu once. Um, but, you know, just, just a really... He's been a brilliant signing. You know what? Do I want Newcastle United to have a better left-back? Yes, than Javier Mankiw. But all credit to the lad, and he's, he's exactly the kind of player who um, we haven't had in recent relegation seasons when we've had the likes of Daryl Yarmat, who's a good footballer. If he had Javier Mankio's attitude, spirit and commitment, um, Yamat would be playing for a much bigger club than Watford, so absolutely brilliant to see. And another lad who's coming for a bit of criticism, Richie, is Mo Diame. I mean, the Mo Diame fan club is um, pretty much me. I think I might attempt to norman into it once or twice. In, in, uh, I'm not sure whether he's backed out. But Richie, Diame today, can you give me some words on him? Uh, I, for me, he was... Um he was second best player in the park, probably behind uh, behind Darlow. Um, and, and yes, I, I'm definitely not in the Mohammed uh, the Army fan club. Um, but what I really liked about his performance today was like just the effort he put in. And, and, I, and I think I, I recall a, I recall a moment in the first half I think where he he literally I think he lost the ball, but he he, he just 
pegged it back. As, as, you could see as, he was going as hard as he could to basically catch up with a stoke player, to, and I think he might have won the ball back, or at least just kind of, you know, kind of just stopped the stop the stop the play. Um, but he was everywhere. He was all over the midfield, just you know, not doing anything flashy, but just basically getting the tackles in, putting his body in front of the ball, slowing down the play. You know, he just. I can't really think of many sort of in, individual things that he did, but it was just his all-round work ethic. He, he grafted his arse off today, like, and it really stood out for me. And I, I just, if, if if you got that type of performance from him week in week out with someone who was literally there just to basically chase down the play, try and get the win, you know, win the ball back, get the tackles in. Um, even though I don't think that's necessarily his game. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be really happy. I think, I think we'd see him starting most weeks. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting one that I, I, I rate, rate his performance so highly today. But I can't really think of many individual things that he did. But that, that just kind of showed that he was, he was just doing his job. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Um, and I, I full, full credit to the lad. Yeah, the, the partnership of him and Shelby was superb today. They, they complemented each other brilliantly. Diarmi gave the ball simple as often as he could. He gave the ball to Shelby whenever possible. And like you say, just gets stuck in. And Norman, I don't know if you agree, I thought his performance was very similar to the performance he put in at West Ham. Um, I thought he was superb at West Ham. And you, you could, with, with Modi Arme, you're going to get those two occasions each game where he, where he tackles himself and sees possession for no reason and everyone goes nuts. You're going to get that one pass out of yeah. play. Um, but you're also going to get complete commitment. You're going to get someone who is able to get in the face of his direct opponent, opponent today. It was Joe Allen and, and, and Charlie... Charlie Adam and win, win tackles and, and turnover possession and one thing I did love from him at the end was um, that little opening of the body um, right at the end we had that shot that went just over that was a real touch of class I mean the, the shot could have been better obviously but he absolutely skinned whoever it was um, he was up against in the box then it was just that little bit of quality that he does have in his, his locker and he, he should really score more goals for Newcastle in my opinion but then so, so should John Joe Shelby Norman um, you know that that do, yeah. do, you, do you reckon that midfield partnership today has got legs, or is it literally just you know let's see who we're up against on a match by match basis? That that that's that's I mean that that's how it's going to be. Anyways, I think um, it, it has it got legs. Well, based on today's performance, absolutely. I mean, Shelby today, it was one of those days where you know, like in the first couple of minutes, you'll you can it's almost with Shelby, you can almost see if he's going to be if he's going to be on it, like on 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 a mental on a mental level. Um, he just got the impression that he wasn't he wasn't going to do anything rash today, and his passing, like his Hollywood passing today, was fucking brilliant. I don't I don't recall him putting one ball wrong again. You might be able to correct me on that because I don't have any take of, uh, of replays, and also you know I was uh, washed up in the excitement of, uh, of, the, of the performance. But he was he was just doing what we what we knew he can do, um, and if you could get that out of him, like what two out of every three games, then there's just no way you could drop him. He was. He was absolutely superb. And talking about the army there, the army allowed him the, the space and the time to do that because the army's graph was, was was absolutely phenomenal. And um, and everything, every point that Rich made there about him was absolutely bang on. His tackling was fantastic. His movement off the ball was excellent. He was winning the ball in the air, and that just allowed the army to kind of almost patrol the left left to right, left to right from sort of the edge of our box to kind of halfway between their box and um, the halfway line and he, and he was absolutely brilliant and, and every single player on the pitch picked up on as well when when Shelby's ticking other players tick like Richie uh, or Richie Murphy on the flanks you know because 
they know that if they make a right run, like you know, Rizzi's going to be able to, go, be able to put a... And um, he, on that performance today, he has to play against Swansea. Whether he will or not, I don't know. But I can't see why you wouldn't want, to, wouldn't want to start him based on that. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. The other player we finally got around the man that deserves so much credit. Um, Chobes, Carl Darlow, best performance from an individual player this season? Outrageous, mate. Simply outrageous. Just ridiculous. Um, show class in all sorts. I think last, I said about uh, the Brighton game, the only thing he did that annoyed is were clearly instructions from the manager um, in terms of not playing the ball quickly from goal kicks and take his time to set work and all the rest of it. Um, and I think even that in itself has showed maturity, you know, that he's not going to be rushed by the crowd, he's going to do what his gaffer tells him and, and get on with his job. And today he just he shows some ridiculous athleticism and uh, <laughs> proper keep it a day. Like his, um, his distribution is good as well. Like when he gets his boot through, it does go 70, 80 yards. So, um, you know, Rafa has managed to create competition between two unheard of keepers that you know now we've got a bit of a, a bit of a selection headache because there's a lot of Elliot fans out there as well um, yourself and Kudu Alex <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I've, I've always thought listen it's been alright this season um, he, he hasn't made the errors Carl Darlow's made and I, I fully backed Elliot to inclusion back into the team after Darlow's um, cost with the three points against Everton but that that the day is almost Darlow has you know cancelled out that Everton error because it was it was the nature of the saves. It, there were saves that he had no right to make. There were close range shots that were hit well, and the, to get one hand to, the, to a couple of them, it, that's what I got from Darlow last season as well. He kind of he makes a lot of saves that he has no right to make. A little bit like David like David De Gea. Obviously, he's not in the same league or class for for a number of reasons, but he does make saves when you think we're getting you know goal. We're going to get this is concede here, and he makes the saves. And it just you could just see. You know, once he made the first one in the in the second half, the confidence of the team, his confidence grew. I thought he was fantastic off his line today. He came and collected several stoke corners really, really well. Um, just a really, really positive performance. Whatever whatever happens this season with him, whatever happens with his career, like today is one of those days that you know you, you look at Tim Krull, twenty fourteen Spurs. You look at um, Rob Elliott, Bournemouth, twenty fifteen. There are always games where you can think we'll keep a got out the shit there in, for, for Newcastle United in the past kind of five, six years. But really since Shea Given left, it just hasn't happened enough. And that's, that's the frustrating thing when, when we've, 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 we've battered teams in the past. I mean, you look at it's almost a year ago to the day since we went down to Blackburn and got beat 1-0 and their keeper makes, you know, hundreds of saves. It seems like it just never seemed to happen for us. Um, so just so pleased for, 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 for him, for, for Carl Dollar, because just a young lad, was he 26? 27, you know, if he was to, to continue to progress in the way he is, he could, he could be, you know, goalkeeping at the, the, the top level for another eight to ten years um, for Newcastle United. So, just a brilliant day all round. And um, Norman, and, again, it was a, lo- a lot of it was at the other end of the pitch to you, but could you see just, just what he was pulling off? Well, I, because, tell all good series, because like, each time, um, like, the kind of ball was in that area, I just thought it was a goal. Like, Emilio Ratch was scored. Because it was so, it looked so close to the goal, and like you say, like so close that he had no right to like to, to stop them. And um, I put it this way: it, it heart and my mouth, my heart was like, I think my heart was like on top of the bloke's head. <laughs> I mean, I was absolutely breaking it. Um, but but even in the first half, again, it, it's it was one of those where you just thought, I he's he's looking comfortable. The the, the, the games where he had, um, you know, he had the, the nightmares. Um, 
he had, a, he had a pretty poor game against um, Leicester and then obviously against Everton as well. He, he made that error despite me at a couple of good saves. And it was almost like a colour drain from his face, but today he looked confident. And I think the you see mentioned there a couple of corners that he claimed in the first half. He did. Obviously, your confidence is straight up then. Kept a clean sheet against Brighton. That's going to boost your confidence. And then he made a really good save from Adam's free kick. And it's obviously, again, it's a, it's a confidence thing. And in the second half, like, he was just, uh, he was unbeatable. Will he do that again? Who, who knows? But, I mean, even if Elliot's back available for the, um, for the Swansea match, based on that, based on the fact he's got two clean sheets, and based on his distribution, which was really good today, you have to keep Dolan again. He was in show pony mode, wasn't he? He kind of, he played like the Hollywood villain for the Stoke fans, century in the last 10. It was just kind of like, where is this guy pulling this from? Uh, <laughs> It was ridiculous, and I think he kind of he actually defined the fact that we were up for it from one to eleven. You know, it's not just like you said the midfielders are flying the challenges, and John Joe was like a kid with a toy at times today. Just sometimes it wasn't even necessary for him to ping at forty yards, but he was just like, I'm just gonna do it anyway because I can. Do you know what I mean? And just get people up for this and get a ticket and make yeah. it look like we're playing good football. Yeah, um, but he, yeah. he was he's got to be a man of the match, Darlo, still regardless. Shelby, Shelby did his um, it was one of those performances today, like if you. If you've ever played for like a pub team or a Sunday team and there's like one player who a little bit overweight and stands in the centre of the pitch and just sprays ridiculous passes around. <laughs> <laughs> that's me, no. Wait a book anyone else. That was the difference. The difference between Sharpie and Stokes midfield today was the difference between the brilliant fat, fat lad and like the rest of the pub. That was, that's, that's the big gun. That's the difference right there. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't disagree with that. Um, you know, I think you raise a great point there, Norman, about the Brighton clean sheet doing wonders for Darlow's confidence. And Brighton did did nothing for any of us, you know, talking to me here or probably anyone listening because it was so brutal. But um, that clean sheet, that defensive performance was was really, really positive. And, and Norman, um, sorry, Richie, I'll come to you. Richie, that back four, give or take, man, or Dummett, do you think Clark, do you, you know, there's been a lot of rotation this season. There's been three at the back, there's been Lejeune. Do you think Clark... Um, Clark from a defensive performance anyway not for his finishing uh, Clark Lascelles Yedlin Darlow plus Dummett or Mankio do you think that's now the settled back four for the season in the, in the, the defence that we need to persist with I think so I, I think to be honest um, the, our defence has almost not had probably the credit it deserves in recent weeks I mean even against Brighton I, I was including myself so scornful of the performance and it was hard to actually, you know, then, then it, was, it was very easy to forget that, well, actually we kept, we kept a clean sheet and would, would never really look like conceding against Brighton, I didn't think. And, and I felt, and even against Man City, the job that we did against Man City defensively for, you know, uh, the, the, majority of the uh, majority of the game, you know, it's, it's very easy just to just kind of forget about how well we're doing defensively, it, even when you consider how many goals we were conceding in, um, you know, in November particularly. Um, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, it, it looks that way. I mean, it's since Lascelles has came back in, we just look a to, we just look a totally different different unit at the back, and that, that he just has you know the, this amazing control over the um, the, the back four. Um, his organisation skills are obviously you know very very key, um, but Lascelles just wins so many headers and just gets his body in front. You know, he's, he's a really good. Um, Influence uh, as far as just someone who, who is prepared to chuck himself in front of uh, in front of shots and do whatever it takes just to stop a, a shot coming off. Um, so it'll be interesting to see 
be interested to see what Rafa does with Mankiw and Dummett because he's, he's obviously a, Rafa's a massive massive Dummett fan yeah um, be interested to see what he does there um, who, he, who he goes who he goes for uh, longer term but yeah in general uh, you, you, you have to say that that's our back four and there's I think you know the likes of Lejeune are gonna he's gonna have you know tough job getting back in and Bemba's never really been you know one of Rafa's uh, uh, um uh, he's never been in Rafa's plans. Um, the right back, you know, the Edlin pretty much picks himself. So, yeah, it's looking that way. Yeah, I mean, Mbemba didn't even make the bench today. I noticed that before the game. Yeah. So his days look well and truly. Nobody think that if they can cash in on him and Mitrovic in uh, in January, that the the most definitely will. Um, Norman, I, I want to give you the last word. Um, I just I just felt the day was such a. A great example of Newcastle United, sold out away end, which was just seemed unbelievably noisy. Great manager, great team selection, great performance. Um, the club is capable of so much. It just felt like a, a, a pivotal moment in the season. Um, and I know it, it might be hard for people in the away end, not hard, but you obviously live in the moment and live in the result and live in the scenes a lot more than us watching at home. But did it just feel massive to you walking out of Stoke today? Aye. Huge. It felt, um, but like, take all the excitement away from it. The fact that we won, the fact you're buzzing. It was almost like there was like a calm descended on me when I was walking back to the train station. A calm in the sense that for the first time in a while, I thought, you know what? I think we're going to be our right. Like we're going to. It's going to be hard. But after the Brighton, obviously the Brighton performance and the Man City loss, the, there's a lot of negativity about, and it's understandable in many ways. And obviously that you know that plays on your mind. You're thinking we're, we're desperate. We're desperate for an injection players, which we still are, by the way. Today's result, regardless, we still are. But the the tactics that were utilised today, the way that the players put themselves about, the determination that they showed, it, it just made me, me made me feel I calm. That we can we can do this. We've got this, and we can do it. Um, desperate to get a couple get a couple of players in, but at the same time feeling. So much better, and funny enough, I'm, I've got to obviously write a match report. And um, the last match report I wrote was the West Ham one, and the two in between are totally different than the ones I'm writing. And I, I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm cheating a bit because um, it's like almost like we've kind of watched two two different teams in the last week and a half. I mean, West Ham was nine days ago, and we've had all this, all this emotion, all this kind of up and down. We're bollocks. We're not bollocks. We're bollocks. We're not bollocks. And today was the day that I've actually felt. Like a serenity kind of descend over us, you know. So all I can say is roll on Swansea because it is again massive. We get a win against Swansea and the momentum is well and truly with us. Get a win against Swansea, get a couple of players in that Rafa once, then we're set. Totally agree. Um this has been the True Faith Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back probably with a chat to you before the Luton game this weekend. We might we might keep it uh, a little bit more broad than just a Luton preview. We might have a look at the season so far and, and what's ahead. All I'll say to back up Norman there is if we could turn up St James's Park against Swansea with one or two quality additions or even just additions, um, the, the the place will be buzzing. And uh, if we beat Swansea, that would take away 24 points with, you know, what, 15, 16 games left. Uh, you definitely think survival's well and truly in our grasp, but plenty of hard work to be done. Thanks for listening. It's a fantastic start of 2018 and we'll be back with you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.